You're listening to the Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blank Scenario. I am your host, Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. And I am Casey, the Grumpy Elf. Into a brand new year! <laughs> hoot, hoot. With brand new things! To be fair, we've been in this new year for at least a little bit. Well, okay then! <laughs> I, I I kept thinking this year, like, yeah, it'll be great, we'll start off with a bang, get things moving. No. And I'm like dragged myself through the 1st of January, it's like, what's going on? January lasts forever, and then the rest <laughs> of the year lasts like two months. And what then... year is it? legitimately like what year is it i can't write out checks anymore because i forget what year it is it's like it's gonna take me a while <laughs> yeah, i love my reference writing a check and half our audience will have no idea what i'm talking about i think we just <laughs> insulted half of our audience i'm pretty sure oh either way for this week's inspiration it actually comes from neither of us <gasps> correct and we don't have a guest i know we have several coming up though just got schedules January is rough for scheduling, guys. Just for future uh, Casey and Marie editing, never schedule anything in January. It's rough. No one has free time. And or we all need time to sleep. Never trust a Jackson. <laughs> so this episode's inspiration comes from our good friend, Taylor. Hello, Taylor. He sent us, I think last year at this point, and yeah, a topic, a and we just have not gone around to it. So it's been one that I've always loved, and I've had to tell myself not to think about to save it for this episode. We now get to do that. So Taylor sent us the suggestion of our take on a Don Quixote-style He-Man adventure. One last adventure for a hero who's turned senile. I do not know much about He-Man other than I have the power and he transforms. That's all I got. I, mm -hmm. Oh, and his sister is brainwashed evil and becomes good. That's probably like five seasons into it. I don't know. But that's, I know Don Quixote, though. Yeah. I know that story. <laughs> <laughs> I know very little of both of those, other than Don Quixote is about a man who may or may not be senile and goes on adventures with his liege, or not his liege, I, what's Quixote, the name? the Lord of La Mancha. Somebody's a fan of, of uh, La Mancha. I love that musical. I've never been able to do it, but I've seen several productions of it. Mm -hmm. If I could have done that one in high school. Man, but I, I've not read the book, which I know I need to at some point, but I have seen the musical several times. So I know the story. You have Don Quixote, which is not his given name or not his birth given name, but the name he gives himself is a Spanish lord. And I think it's like the late 1800s who believes that he in this world should be a knight in shining armor, literally decides he is that and convinces himself. He takes one of these serfs that lives on the land with him to be his... Apprentice. Yeah, the term for the guy that helps carry your stuff, basically. You can imagine how Squire. badly it goes. Squire, yeah. that's the word. He ends up at a inn at one point and believes this is the, a great tavern and the innkeeper of the Lord. There's a lot in the story about choosing who you are and how you view the world versus how it views you as well as the conception of chivalry and its place in the world and and granted, you know, 1800s, it's not modern, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of cool ideas there. From a non-philosophical um, point, you have this guy who decides randomly that there are giants and wizards in this world, which is what's fascinating me about this prompt is in a world where we actually have giants and wizards, 
how do you make a adventurer old and senile? What are they seeing that is not actually there? For me, I'm taking a little bit of liberties from, and I can't say the name because of explicit tags, Kike. <laughs> we, we do market ourselves as a clean podcast. Yes, we are a clean <laughs> podcast. So essentially in that world, you have a person who decides why aren't superheroes around? Why don't they, why don't they exist? Why aren't there people that just take up the mantle and start fighting crime? And you get to see a very realistic and gruesome approach to what happens whenever you try to do that and why people don't do superheroes because they kind of become their own cult is too strong of a word but they they end up getting their own following it was the idea of influencers before influencers <laughs> was a thing gotta do it for the views yeah pretty much because they start streaming <laughs> their their fights oh my word, online yeah people <laughs> people record them and post it online and so they start streaming like hey i'm so and so and i'm with this superhero check it out over here so they're influencers and they even get into like what can become villains. But I think an interesting parallel between that world and I'm just going to say K.A. Between K.A. and Don Quixote is essentially Don Quixote di decides the same thing. Why shouldn't I just be a knight? Why shouldn't I just go out and fight these things regardless of whether they're real or not? So for me, the most interesting part of that story is... Is he senile or is he not senile? Now, I'm going to preface this whole thing or, or postscript, I guess, <laughs> at this point. This whole thing with saying yet again, I have never read the book. I know next to nothing about He-Man. I have only seen Man of La Mancha once. So my knowledge of it extends from that, of how much is a person really off their wagon. And <laughs> that would be an interesting story to have your adventurers dealing with either being that person that just decides, hey, why not? Or dealing with an adventurer that has just decided, hey, why can't I? And then it becomes not, why is he seeing things that aren't there? You can scrap that idea entirely and have it be this person who's just decided, well, why can't I be a sorcerer? <laughs> or why can't I be paladin. a paladin? Mm -hmm. Why can't I be a wizard and do all of these fantastic things just because I've decided that I have? Maybe he's a guy that's come across this ancient tome and has just decided this is my calling why don't i now go out and attack all these things and he can be an old guy who's lived his life and is near the end and has decided it's time for my first and last <laughs> adventure so why not in the musical version for man of la mancha don quixote actually leaves his family to go and do this and granted he's an old man so he's not in charge but it's his I think granddaughter or daughter. I don't remember for sure. But it's her and her fiance who are trying to figure out how to solve this problem, basically. And the fiance is very no-nonsense, very stickler for the rules, very like, this is how the world is. This is it's not fancy. It's not fanciful. This is just reality. You have to accept it. Mm -hmm. And he is actually the reason that Don Quixote snaps back to reality at the end of it, basically by forcing him to look at himself in these mirrors. He shows up within the fantasy of, I am the knight of mirrors. And a whole bunch of people holding mirrors forced Don Quixote to see himself as he is, snapping him out of his illusions. So we've got Don Quixote, who is the old man who believes, why don't I just go do this thing? I can do that. And so he's convinced himself he is something he technically isn't. The paladin, wizard, sorcerer, they all have magic and he doesn't. You know, even if he is a worshiper of a specific deity, that deity has to grant you the powers of a paladin. You can't just cast smite on people. 
And then you have the future son-in-law who is trying to figure out how do I keep him from doing these awful things because that could ruin his name. That could be spending his money on things he doesn't need to. If you want to make it less cold nature, he could be legitimately afraid for Don Quixote's life and want to make sure he is safe and is trying to figure out how do I bring him back to the world as it is without destroying him. So I think for the players, it's the question of do you want them to be interacting with Don Quixote primarily and dealing with his illusions and what he thinks is going on? Or are they going to be with the son-in-law and trying to figure out how to ground Don Quixote? Mm, I mean, how closely are you wanting to tie this to Don Quixote? I lean more towards that than He-Man because He-Man... I feel like it's something I don't know well enough. Uh, so I'm avoiding yeah. He-Man at all okay. costs. I'm not saying it that <laughs> okay. way. Like, how closely do you want to tie it to the source oh, material? I, I don't care about tying it too closely, too. Okay. We can pull away from it as needed. But it's, for me, that's that two sides. If you have someone who is at the very basic believing they are something they are not and going on adventures, you're either assisting them and protecting them or you're trying to stop them. I feel like we've done similar to both of those already and i kind of want to find a third option and i'm not sure what that third option would be because in one regard you would have essentially a what's it called an escort mission Mm -hmm. that your players are going on and at that point the escort mission needs to be intriguing enough to keep the players on it and on the other hand you you essentially have a fetch quest of what can we do what can Mm -hmm. we go get that's going to snap him out of his stupor so what is a third option that is not an escort mission nor a fetch quest this might be leaning back in some other ideas we've done before as well but what if this is essentially a guiding mission that's an escort mission escort mission but not necessarily you're going to keep him alive it's you are brought here especially if you have a paladin or cleric or someone magically linked to a patron of some kind you are brought here because this person is claiming to be of whatever person, whether it's a warlock patron, whether it's a DET, whatever it is. And they want to go on this, you know, holy mission, mission from the gods kind of thing. And as you go through, you realize they are seeing something that you can't. So it's almost kind of like a chosen one situation that there's something about them that they can see something hidden from everyone else. And in doing so, they can fulfill this ultimate mission for your patron. Okay, so here's the different. I looked up Wikipedia because <laughs> I was like, what can we do that is not? So here are the common quest types. You have kill quests, combo quests, which is like combination of attacks mm-hmm. to defeat, delivery quests, gather quests, which is essentially fetch quests, delivery and gather, escort, syntax, which is guessing correct syntax to carry out a simple typically simple operations usually in text-based games Mm. and then a hybrid quest that goes with all of those so i kind of want to make this i kind of want to make this a kill quest like something about this seems i want to force smash them together and see what we can make out of this. Okay, kill quest is you have to go basically and kill something, right? As it's described on quick Wikipedia, a kill quest sends the character out to kill either a specific number of named creatures or a specific player character. These types often require the character to bring back proof of their work, such as trophies or body parts, boar, uh, boar tusk, wolf pelts, etc. 
Don Quixote has the ultimate enemy of the sorcerer that he deals with. Could there be the big bad is his big bad that he believes is out there, is back? Maybe this person died years ago. Maybe they faded out in general. So I have an interesting idea to run with this that, yes, deals with that. We'll accept for a second that our character that we are assisting is senile. In fact, we can lock that in if okay, we want to. Senile, we've done old, we've done no lock-ins yet. Old-ish adventure. Senile, I want to make this an investigation-type quest that will have a kill at the end. And the reason that both of those matter, because those two would be in my lock-ins right now, is that what you establish is a setup where he then is going to describe what his ultimate evil looks like, what he acts like, what he does, and it is going to be up to your players to figure out within you know X number of days or X number of hours before he passes away, figure out exactly who it is that he's talking about. And that, that means that should you have a group of murder hobos that's just like, well, kill the whole town, we got him, <laughs> mm-hmm. then they can do that. But on the flip side of that, if you have a, a lawful good party, you can make it legitimate that there is legitimately a big evil thing yeah. that is out there. But he can only describe it in a version that makes sense to him. So it may even be that he is talking about a location rather than a person. And mm-hmm. you could be fighting a company. <laughs> I like the idea, too, that if he's senile, th- this may play too much into actual real, real world situations. So obviously be aware that if you use this in the game. We but are saying this he... with all sensitivity necessary as best as we can. It's it's I mean, with every situation we present, we have people dying all the time in these games. If you have a group that is uncomfortable with that, don't do that. Obviously, yeah. like we are comfortable with different things than other people are. So whatever we are presenting you an idea, all make it work are, for you. All people are <laughs> sensitive. Some are more sensitive than others. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to know your, your players. But for me, it would be interesting to have it be where as he's talking to you, he starts to think you are his party members. So when we think of like in Alzheimer's and dementia, you forget things, but you don't forget everything. And typically mm-hmm. what happens is you start to kind of replace bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I know like for my family, my grandmother had it and it was more just everything went backwards in time. You know, mm-hmm. she remembered things, but always going backwards. So for this adventure, if you have something like that, where it's the end of his days, the end of his life, he's not really remembering things, mm-hmm. but he knows the big bad. So as he's mm-hmm. talking to it, He's talking to your party, and then he starts talking like he's talking to his party, which makes those descriptions worse. Because now he is describing things that he thinks they should know that they have never heard of. Like, hey, do you remember Ronald? Uh, who? <laughs> yeah, Ronald, the bartender who gave us free drinks at one time. They don't know who this is. That's not a reference they can go off of. So that adds to that investigation. They not only have to piece together what he's describing, but other things that can lead them to locations, people who can help out. Another direction you could take this as well, because you mentioned your grandmother. My grandfather was of the belief that he had dementia. Now, as best as we can figure, he didn't. It was just old age that that was affecting him. But he believed he had dementia. So you could also play that up and play that style as well, where you have a guy that thinks he has something, So he is constantly going to be telling you he's not sure about his information. And yet, as he's describing it, he could be describing the actual person. Like, 
what do you mean such and such? That sounds like your servant. Oh, maybe maybe I've got it wrong again. Maybe I maybe maybe, maybe I don't know what I'm t- just ignore me. Yeah, that would be interesting because again, whether you play up the mental incapacity of the adventure or not, either way, he's not going to be able to tell you his name is Tom. He lives at 115 Avenue Lane. Yeah. He, he can't tell you that much. He's like, there's a mountain. The adventure remembers we were going south, I think. We were heading south at the time. We came across this mountain. There's a cave. We didn't see a dragon. We were looking for a dragon. Your adventure goes down there. There's now a dragon there, and they weren't expecting that. Mm. <laughs> so he can be giving these pieces. And of course, if you were to ask me how to get to my house as a child, I could not tell you the street names half the mm. time. I couldn't, like, normal people can't remember this. So, of course, someone who's 85, 90, 300, depending upon what race he is, of course, he's not going to have a perfect memory of these events anymore. How old do you think this guy is? Oh, is, is he an elf? Is he, he well, a dwarf? Yeah, that's true. Even dragonborns can live a little bit longer than humans. Either way, as the player or as the DM, you get to have some fun with an unreliable narrator. Yeah, basically. Either way. Okay. What else do we need to lock in? So we've got that this is an investigation and we've got a person who has some kind of mis- mental deficiency. Whether it's senility or belief, sen- believe senility or dementia <laughs> or whatever it is, he he believes he has something that is affecting him or does. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that randomly enough at this point. <laughs> do we want and an investigation? Do we want to have anything specific for the big bad? It feels like that could be open ended to where either there is no big bad and it's just you have to figure out how to make him feel like he's successful in his life. It could be. There is big bad, but this person is reformed and retired, and maybe this is just reconciliation. It could be a classic trope of, here's a big bad, turns out is actually one of his old friends that he just really, really wanted to see and didn't know how to say it. (laughs) I was about to say we need to add in some kind of wrinkle, some kind of complication, because this is not overly complicated, but Mm -hmm. I would say it is fairly straightforward. So what is some kind of wrinkle that we could add in for the big bad if you want to go that direction? that would make this more complicated not necessarily to get to but like for Mm. finding a solution i hate to say it's a redeemed big bad because that feels like that's such an overused trope but i feel like that presents kind of the best the best conundrum for the players because this is someone who is reformed maybe they're not even as powerful as they used to be it's not really taking out evil in the land it's just killing a person so they can still do it and make the adventurer feel better, or they can try to lie their way around it and just leave the big bad as he is. I wouldn't say this person is now like a pillar in society, but I mean, again, how old is the is Don Quixote? If he it's been a hundred years since he fought this guy, the big bad could just be a nobody at this point. Hmm. So there may not be anyone even to find. He may have just dropped off the map, he's gone, he's been dead for years. Even if we could find him in the cemetery, what do we do with that? I want to say there needs to be some kind of uh, redemption arc with this, whether it's of the Big Bad or of Don Quixote, which I think you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That might be an interesting angle to take with this. Just lock in that there needs to be a redemption arc. Could it be something where the Big Bad used to be friends with him before becoming it? It's like this is a betrayal betrayal on top of the acts of evil? It could be. I, for the DM, it's going to be a decision of how cheesy do they want to make this mm-hmm. because it can be... The nice thing about this setup is 
it's on a sliding scale. However cheesy mm-hmm. or serious you want to make it, you've got a lot of room to play around in. Mm-hmm. If you want to make it where they're long lost friends that they need to reconnect, you could easily do that and end off the story of Michael's and Joanne's, <laughs> right? Um, but if you wanted to make it mean something more than that, you could. And even with the meeting up an old friend, there could still be a lot of emotional depth that you could plumb with that. It just Mm -hmm. depends upon how you run it and what little details you decide to flush out from the skeleton we provide. Do you think there needs to be a case of mistaken identity in the middle of this? That they find the big bad, they take care of the big bad, they come back. Turns out that's not him. There's some key thing that he forgot to tell them about that defined who they were supposed to look for. And maybe they already found that person but didn't think it was them. Or maybe that clue would have led them down a different path. Like, this isn't a big bad. They don't have the birthmark on their shoulder kind of thing. Or is that is that too much of just like an aha moment? I feel like that punishes the players and it potentially railroads them because then you're not providing them the option of finding. I believe mm-hmm. that's something that absolutely could happen in a game. I don't know if I would set that up directly in the skeleton. Gotcha. I think that's something that gets metered out at the table. Your murder hobos are definitely going to kill the wrong person. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We know for sure. (laughs) If you wanted to do something along that line that doesn't punish the players, I would return to my original argument of doing this as a company. Mm -hmm. So we always have the idea and fantasy of cut off the head of the snake and the rest of the, the body dies. But we all know very clearly, like, I, this is this is not calling on acts of violence of anybody. If Jeff Bezos died, the company would, yeah. Amazon would continue yeah. with a new CEO. So it is something that is too big to fail. It is something that will always have a leader come up. And that's even a trope in most fantasy fiction, that even if the leader dies, the rest of the body doesn't just disappear. It's just the power vacuum effect. Exactly. So what you could do if you wanted that is he's describing this group and the party can immediately think, oh, we must go destroy the leader. Or they could think to destroy the whole party, but they usually it's like, let's path of least resistance. We're going to get rid of the one. And the reality is they go do that. They come back and he's going to say, no, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't that one. That's, that that doesn't get rid of it because he was talking about it as a whole instead of the singular one that needed to be defeated. That would be a cool way to start describing it as well. Set up the, have this kind of smaller company that is known for being treacherous and backstabbing and all that, but they've worked within the the confines of the law enough they got away with it. Mm -hmm. And Don Quixote is describing this person. You go there, you realize he's got red hair, six fingers on his left hand, you know, obviously it's going to be the guy who's in charge, right? You get there and you take care of the problem, whether arresting, killing, whatever you decided your solution is, come back to Gandhi and say, hey, we killed the leader. He says, no, you don't realize. They all have to be punished. And you realize there's one person with red hair, one mm-hmm. person with this, one person. He's described each person, but they all happen to kind of mesh into the one person as well. Mm-hmm. The only other way that you could do this if you wanted to keep it singular is I'm going to take a bit from Princess Bride and a bit from uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion of the Dread Pirate Roberts and the Gray Fox. That you, in Oblivion, you have this mask that gets worn by the leader of the Thieves' Guild. And you become the Gray Fox. And it is a magic item that you don't find out until you actually get it. That this magic item 
bewitches people. So you can put on the mask and take off the mask in front of somebody. And when you put it on, suddenly you have disappeared. They don't know where you've gone. They saw you put it on. They don't know where you've gone. (laughs) They have no idea what's going on. But suddenly the infamous gray fox is standing in front of them. And he has a huge bounty on his head and he Mm. must be defeated. But if you take it off, where did the gray fox go? Nobody knows. He has vanished. And where did you go for that whole time? Mm. So think like Clark Kent's glasses, except if they were a magic item. (laughs) And it's something where it is a leadership that's going to pass down so Mm. that then your players, instead of having to kill off everybody, have to get this item, which then it turns it into a fetch quest. But like they have to get this one item that is the defining core center of this entire group that will then force the group to disband. I do like that, too, because you mentioned Dread Pirate Robertson from Princess Bride and even in Avatar Last Airbender mm-hmm. um, in season three, Katara and Zuko go off to find a leader of the band that killed, captured, whatever, Katara's mom. Mm-hmm. And you find out this is the leader. No, he's not. He's too young. Well, that leader retired like 20 years ago. So yeah. you have to go find him. Yeah. So whether you're finding an item or the original leader, that puts it to where it's not just go to point A and you're done. You go to point A, realize it's not as simple as that and you have to go to point D, F, and G in order to get to the bad guy. Yeah. Okay, like so that. how do we want to lock that in? Like rotating leaders or? Yeah, I think having it be um, the position the big bad is in is what you're after, not, or what is being described. So when you find the big bad, it's not going to be the one he is looking for. So whether you decide to take the item and let him know that you've done something with that or whether yeah. it is just a position rotation. Okay. We have currently got four items locked in. I feel as if we're at a point, I think, where we need to start diverging. Otherwise, this is only going to get more complicated. What say you? Mm-hmm. So we've got our senile adventurer who is going to be bad describing in general. Mm-hmm. You are sent to find the big bad that he's described and he's going to give cryptic clues to do it. So you have to go and investigate. This will lead you to a company um, of some scale where you will find that the leader who you are looking for is a rotational position. So this is a different leader than Don Quixote would have fought. I think that gives us enough bare bones to where we can put our own individual spins on it. Yeah, I think so. All right, so let's go ahead. We can do a five-minute scribble break. Alrighty, I've made this sufficiently complicated. <laughs> Would you like to go first or second is a question. <laughs> uh, that's a question for you, because this is detailed. I-, I will go ahead and go first then, and then I can just sit back and let you monologue. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully it's not long. For my version, it starts off with one of the party members' old mentors calling on them. They are at the end of their life. They are going to die soon. They'd like one last visit. Pick someone in your party who this would be appropriate. If you have a fighter, that might be a really good idea. Just they have an old mentor that they want to go visit one last time. When they arrive, the mentor has a final request of them. This mentor, Don Quixote, had a villain that they were not able to defeat in their adventuring days. And they would like to die knowing that that mission has been accomplished. So they are requesting you and your party to go and take care of this. This person is described as the arch enemy of... Don Quixote and his party, basically the Bandit King, is what I've dubbed them. Pick a better name if you've got it or is more relevant to you. 
Don Quixote is unable to remember anything about the person's real name or uh, their identity, but he describes them as much as he can. Race, size, hair color, skin color, any scars or anything like that might be important, as well as a signature cape that they wear. This cape is not inherently magical, but it is a very specific style for the region, so it's really easy. It's kind of this, you know, the person wearing this cape is obviously one in charge. So the party can track everything down based upon the clues Don Quixote told them as to location that they need to go city. They might end up wandering in the forest a little bit before discovering that this bandit king has basically turned his company of uh, bandits into a formal company within the city. So they went up in the world since Don Quixote last fought them. So the leader is never seen. No one ever sees them in public. But you can figure out how to break in and confront them still. Whether you find the leader's house, whether you discover a headquarters with an office, however you decide to break in, you can still gain access that way. Once you get there, you realize this person is too young. They don't have the scar. They're an elf and not human. Whatever it is about them, you immediately realize this is not the leader. Turns out that leader retired and is now living quietly in the countryside, maybe with the family if you want to go with the godfather approach to it. But they are retired. They probably make money off whatever profits the company has. They're not here. You're going to have to go somewhere else to find them. If the party does so, they'll have to go through several, several traps. Because this person is incredibly paranoid and also very clever. This is not someone who retired quietly. <laughs> they were probably forced into it and are doing it as best as they can. Whether the party is captured as they're trying to break in, whether they successfully evade the traps and actually you know, manage to lock down the big bad into a room. They are now face to face with this person and they'll realize the um, party member who is the mentee of Don Quixote will realize once he gets a good look with the features, this is Don Quixote's old party member who betrayed him all those years ago. That maybe it was a young apprentice he was traveling with. Maybe this was a best friend who decided adventuring wasn't profitable enough, whatever it was. That person betrayed the party, became the bandit king, and Don Quixote has not been able to forget it. At this point, there are three options your party can take, depending upon both how you want to play out the story and also what they want to do. They can either never discover who the big bad is, just take the cape, kill the leader, go back to Don Quixote and say, hey, we did it, and just leave it at that. They don't have to do the whole thing. They can do half of it and call it done if they want to. They can actually kill the actual big bad, the old friend who betrayed him, and they can go back and say, hey, he's dead. Probably be some emotional weight to that one because for Don Quixote, that was my friend, but he betrayed me, but at least it is finished. I can die in peace. Have everyone play that out. Or they can try to create some kind of reconciliation between the, the big bad and Don Quixote. Maybe it was a betrayal. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Maybe he regretted what he did all those years ago and the company is an effort to become better. You know, you could play that out any way you wanted to or even just, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let you suffer what you've done. Know this. He's going to die remembering what you did to him if you want to do that. That would be my Don Quixote slash Godfather approach. <laughs> okay. Let the guy die of a heart attack in the field. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, so I like that. Knowing what I'm about to say with mine, you and I took two very different approaches. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the point. To, well, yeah, but like, I think you'll understand what I mean whenever whenever I say this. You took the very adventurous, 
Barbary Coast mm-hmm. swashbuckling approach mm-hmm. to this. I took a much different path, <laughs> although I think we might have ended up really close to the same thing. So All roads lead to the same end. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let me see if I can get... If I can get rid of, there we go. You don't need Wikipedia anymore. Don't don't copy your notes from there. No, I was trying to get rid of the keyboard on my screen. <laughs> Daniel Quixit has one final wish before his death: to find the Black Swan and end the reign of terror on his family. The Black Swan is a villain of sorts that has been terrorizing the. Quixit family for ages, or so you have been told. Your party stands at what will become the deathbed of Daniel Quixit. He is an old man who tries to describe for you his memory of the Black Swan as he has had the most time encountering this figure. You get some decent details but your party will be deciding how much of those details they want to follow through with and how much of them they don't after regaining those details from daniel your party will be sent into the town and into the countryside nearby to go look for this character and are told that if they want to be paid they must bring the outfit of the black swan back to the bed of daniel to prove that they have completed it Thus begins your party's adventure as they make their way into the town. Now, the way that I did this, I know this is supposed to be a one-shot. This is not a campaign by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think this would end up stretching into three potential character arcs, or three potential arcs, three potential sessions that you'd have to do. The first one consisting of the investigation, where your team begins going into the town and investigating after being given this information of what the person looks like, what they act like, And as you go into the town and begin investigating, you start to find that things are not quite what they seem. As you dig through, you start to find that there are people that are extremely willing to help you. You who are a party who is used to having to grease a few palms or having to maybe pick a fight with one or two people. Whenever the name Quixit is dropped immediately, your party is told exactly what they want, exactly any information. They're even offered food on several occasions. And this is bizarre to your party. They can take it how they will, either good or bad. But that will be the majority of the first session as you begin to discover that there are things that the Quixit family did not tell you. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you will find your way out into the countryside, looking around and following a, a trail that has been left behind by the Black Swan that probably will have been told by one of the members of the town. Following through this session would end up ending with you meeting up with the black swan and essentially the way that i described the gray fox is kind of what happens Mm -hmm. here you meet up with this character this person that may have been one of the townsfolk all along maybe the one even that gave you the clue that realized what was going on and you end up meeting up with him in his lair out in a cave out in the forest where he begins to describe for you what is going on and why he is doing what he is doing. That he is not, in fact, the original Black Swan. Mm -hmm. He is merely a person who got lucky enough to pick the mantle up from the one who came before him. The Black Swan has a reputation of being a criminal, and for good reason. Mm -hmm. The original Black Swan currently is sitting on his deathbed, back in the Quixit Manor. 
as the original Black Swan was Daniel Quixet. Daniel Quixet does not remember, in fact, that he was the original Black Swan, as there is a effect, a curse to the mantle that comes with it. One that over time, should it be used too much, and in too much of a certain way, you can decide whether it's like being too greedy with it or wearing it too often. I hadn't completely nailed that down. It will eventually affect your mind. So the senility, whatever it is, whatever mental issues that the patron is currently dealing with comes from his use of that mantle back whenever he was a younger man. And his rage and belief that the, uh, the current owner of the mantle is evil comes from twofold. And this is what you will discover from the Black Swan. Number one, the mantle was taken from the original patron. So he believes that it was stolen from him. It is his, his just right to have it back. It is Daniel's just right to have it back. But number two, and this is the more important bit, the Quixit family is an organized crime family living in this town that has been basically running rackets and conning the people that live here, keeping them under their boot this whole time. And the current owner of the mantle, just you know, whatever name you want to give him, the current Black Swan has decided that he is going to change the reputation of this ancient criminal, whatever you want to say, from being a criminal to being a vigilante. Mm-hmm. And he has done everything within his power to disrupt the Quixit family schemes. So by Act 3, when your players come back to the table, they must decide, are they going to attempt to take the mantle from the Black Swan and return it back to its original owner, who at this point is basically on his deathbed anyways. Why not fulfill the final wish of this old man, albeit working with this family? <laughs> or do you wish to take down the Quixit crime family from the heart outward and allow the Black Swan to continue beyond this town? There's also a third option. Take the Black Swan costume for yourself and just leave. Well, there is always <laughs> that. That is an option as well. Because I can see people in our group doing that. It's like, you know, what if I just become the black swan could i just like go off and do whatever i mean yeah you're gonna kill the guy anyway i guess yeah well <laughs> see that's why i like there being some kind of curse yeah. added on to this item that too much use of it or too too much of something mm-hmm. will eventually affect you because even if you wanted to turn this into a longer story your player now who is taken off with this item is going to have to deal with the consequences of that item you know that it's not for free yeah. anonymity always comes at a price you could make it towards something that reacts to evil alignments True. if you wanted to. I know in 5 we don't use alignments much, but that concept can work. If you have a player that is like, I am chaotic evil. Hey, guess what? This only helps chaotic good people, and you ain't them. What it could be <laughs> is that it only helps chaotic good people. It actually negatively affects chaotic evil people, and it is a cursed item as well that the curse of it is it adjusts your alignment over time, mm. over use. Because, again, anonymity comes at a price. Yeah. What do you think you can get away with mm. when nobody knows that it's you? Yeah. People feel braver both to do good and to do evil. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that both of us had there's an organized crime situation going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's the question of who are you having to deal with. I wanted to take it... Because we always talk about Don Quixote as if he is the the really good guy. And I mm-hmm. thought, what if instead he's the leader of a crime family? That he's the senile mm-hmm. old man that doesn't remember how bad he actually is. Yeah. Which Anyways. is interesting then because then it's not necessarily he's evil. It's, it's more sad. 
yeah. that he was such an awful person. And as you're meeting him with your party, he's just an old man who's waiting to die. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more of just this pity that goes into it. Then it's like, you could have done all these great things. You had the costume, especially once they realized what he actually was. Like you yeah. could have done great things and you chose not to. And now this thing has basically shortened your lifespan and you're no longer here. Mm-hmm. So, oof. A lot of emotional impact in this one. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's fitting because it's Don Quixote. Yeah, yeah. And Don Quixote is nothing if not an emotional story. <laughs> in at some the very ways. least, someone will die at the end. Yep. <laughs> We've guaranteed that. Mm-hmm. Sadly, Sancho, um, Sancho does not show up. Is it Pancho or Sancho? Sancho. Sancho. Mm-hmm. Yep, Sancho does not show up. Oh, well. <laughs> he can be, in mine, he can be the son that currently is... <laughs> leading the organization yeah that was my other question too for years was who's actually in charge at the moment how far are they going to go to keep this quiet well if that, they know about it yeah i felt like that could be fleshed out by the the dm because it could either be a company that's just running of its own steam mm-hmm. and you know this old man doesn't remember how bad it is but as soon as i got the name artemis fowl because i <laughs> thought of that at first i was like oh, artemis fowl and then i can use that and then black swan and artemis fowl oh my god but <laughs> It could be that it's running of its own steam, or it could be that you've got members of the family that are still running it, Mm -hmm. and those are the ones that are bringing in your party, because they also would be the ones not telling your party everything about what their family does. But I wanted to give an opportunity, especially with this, because we always say the first person that gets introduced is usually going to be the one the party trusts. If you introduce the crime family first, how much loyalty does the party have down Mm -hmm. the line? when they find out what this group is originally doing, especially Mm -hmm. if they don't present themselves as cagey, Mm -hmm. if they present themselves as legitimately a loving, kind, caring family. And there's just a few members of the town that have run afoul of them. Which you could play off as a people no one likes anyway. Yeah. So it even, it really cements the fact that this is the good guys. No, they're not. Oh, now do we do? Yeah. And you could easily swap it up where they're just where they are the good guys in the long run, mm-hmm. that they're doing more good for the town than they're doing bad. They're just, they still have to do bad. <laughs> All the moral quandaries. Mm-hmm. H- how does one evil action justify a thousand good? Or no, does one good action justify a thousand evils? Yeah. That has been two not super depressing scenarios, at least. This this one had a lot of potential to be very depressing. I think we mm-hmm. managed to avoid that quite a bit. We've made it... Adventurous. Yeah, adventurous. We made it more of a investigation yeah. aspect to it. So, I uh, at the very least, I hope our listener, I hope Taylor, <laughs> is satisfied with what we did because we did nothing of what he asked. No, we did. We Don, just took Don the Quixote with a senile adventure. That's a He-Man one last well, adventure. I feel like the He-Man we just seen just wasn't in a two. So Taylor gave us two prompts. We'll do He-Man next time. <laughs> no, because then we'll have to watch He-Man. And that's the whole thing. We just have to go. There are so many YouTube videos that will summarize the entire history of He-Man. That actually is true. And all we have to know is that someone who transforms from Prince Adam into He-Man and no one By knows. By the power of Skull <laughs> and Skeletor. Which we even mentioned with the Gray Fox. So technically... We kind of had that. So happen. here's the thing: when we do Hey Man, <laughs> we need to make him a bard, just because of the. Hey, 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 <laughs> what's going on? Um, no, poly- he polymorphs. That's what's happening. End of episode. <laughs> Goodbye. That brings us to the end of this episode. 
If you have a scenario idea you'd like us to turn into one shot, be sure to send it to us on Facebook or Instagram at Potato Candy Network, or you can also email us at potatocandynetwork at gmail.com. Be sure to follow us on the social media and your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss any new episodes. Also, we would like for you to leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Let us know what you like about the show. Let other people know what you like. That is still a great way to share new episodes with people. So be sure to go do that as soon as you have a chance. If you'd like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at the link in the show notes below. And if you just can't get enough gaming in your life, we do have a sister podcast, Dreadful Tales, where Casey, aka Grumpy Elf, runs us through some horror RPGs. Currently, we are working on Monster of the Week and Little Fears, so those have been some fun campaigns you can hop in and see what we are up to. Hello! Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy.